Hi, I'm Daniel Torres, and welcome to this episode of the Career Success Podcast. Today, we're joined by Maureen O'Shea, Global Product Supply Senior Director for Biotech and New Molecules at Merck. Maureen is a strategic and creative thinker with a decisive and action-oriented style and a passion for change management. She believes in her, enabling her teams through a servant leadership style. She has hands-on experience of the end-to-end supply chain across manufacturing, sourcing, logistics, CMO management, planning, and contract negotiation. Her high learning agility and international experience has enabled her to be successful in across the differentiated industries of FMCG and pharma. Welcome, Maureen. Good morning, Daniel. Pleasure to be here. So, there's a lot of talk going on about the changes happening in supply chain, essentially it moving from a cost-cutting center towards a competitive advantage to companies. What reactions or strategies can a company adopt to move into this direction? I think that's a fabulous question, Daniel. It's actually sort of a pet topic of mine. Uh, Those of us Mm -hmm. who've been in the supply chain for a number of times, a number of years, We've seen a lot of cost cutting. We've gone through a lot of budget exercises. We're, we're experts in squeezing blood from the stones. But that is not um, a sustainable way of adding value. And as we really look at the future, for the supply chain to be relevant, it needs to be a competitive advantage. And there's really, from my point of view, three key steps the organization needs to take to move in that direction. Uh-huh. The first one, the critical one, is develop a customer-centric organization. Every member of your team needs to know who is my customer, do I understand my customer's needs, and am I consistently delighting them? Those Mm -hmm. three questions can form the drumbeat, as it were, to a lot of what we do in supply chain, and it shifts the whole team's focus outwards towards the customer, because that's where you generate competitive advantage. Your second step is really understanding your market. Today, every market is a developing market. Even the, the US, Europe, digital is having a transformational effect there. Mm-hmm. So all of our global markets are now becoming more and more unique. So we have to design our supply chain from that customer demand backwards versus the old-fashioned process or from the manufacturing process outward. So again, it's back to end in sight, what does the customer need? Mm-hmm. And then the third leg and I say third because it must be done after the other two are completed, is partnership with commercial. Once your organization are focused on the customer, once you've built your supply chain coming backwards from the customer needs, then you must partner with commercial to drive the value because it's through commercial that the value and the competitive advantage will be gained. We in supply chain have amazing tools in digital like advanced analytics, We have perspective on our customers' operations that commercial don't have and commercial have skills that we don't have and how to translate those into a real benefit for our company. So Uh those are the three steps. Customer-centric, market understanding, and commercial partnerships. Together, they drive competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. And you actually, during your career, you made an industry change, moving from P&G, which is an FMCG or CPG company, to Merck, which is a biotech and pharma player. What top three differences did you perceive in this change? Oh, <laughs> I could give you more than three probably, Daniel. I'm um, sure you I can. I think anyone who's changed industry would notice. Um, 
um, the the cultures are very different. The ones, and I probably went, I'd say, from an extremely fast FCMG to quite a traditional family-owned pharma business. So the difference in speed is one of the first things you notice. Risk tolerance is, of course, very different in pharma than FCMG. And the cost pressure is completely different in a high-margin versus low-margin business. Mm-hmm. However, um, I would not put too much weight on the differences because even moving within the industry, every company says, but we're different. But there's more similarities. So the, if you take the paradigm that the differences are interesting and things you learn from, but the fundamentals are the same, then I think that takes some of the fear out of the move. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and actually, for yourself, for your career, and as a professional, what value has it added? Oh, I think it has been by far the biggest value-adding move of my career. So in, I spent 16 years in Procter & Gamble, and they're a fabulous company, and they do wonderful development. I was fortunate to have many different roles and, and gain a lot of experience. But moving to such a different company with such a different culture moved me completely outside of my comfort zone. And as we all know, outside of your comfort zone is where you grow the most. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's the obvious part that you learn new business areas, you get more perspective, you broaden your technical base. But for me, the key skill has been around culture. Mm-hmm. So at the okay. more senior levels, everything you deliver is through people and through influence. In, mm-hmm. in Procter & Gamble, and Unilever, and any of those big companies that hire straight from college, there's a relatively narrow profile. I mean, everyone is fabulous, but there are similarities. And people have all been in the company for quite a long time. So you know the culture very well. And I would say there's a narrow temperature range in the thermostat. Mm -hmm. Moving into then a very different company with a very different culture and a culture of bringing people in from many different places, that temperature range is much greater. So the key skill was learning how to enter a room, read that room quickly and adjust the thermostat in terms of assertiveness, in terms of listening, in terms of pace of the conversation, to suit who was in the room at that time. So it was really a huge broadening skill for me on communication and engagement, which has been really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually linked to that in terms, and for you, Maureen, as a person that's managed teams for some time, seeing the world changing very quickly and that we're in a world where volatility, change, uncertainty, and ambiguity are par the course, which have you found, like in your experience, to be the best way to lead teams? I think, Daniel, that's one of the single most important questions, because the pace of change, I think, is exponential. Every year we think, ooh, this is the most change we've ever seen, and next year it's more. So how we adapt and evolve and thrive in that environment and enable our teams to thrive is critical. Um, And I think the key word from your question is lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, The days of managing a team are over. It is about leadership. Our teams are living through this volatility as well, and we Uh need to lead them through that. We need to support them so they can excel in the changing world. Uh, Key learning for me over the last few years has been you really have to let go of your assumptions. And there can, you have to be very much building on your past knowledge, but future-facing. Again, another point due to the speed of change is you have to develop a bias for action. You need to encourage that all the way through your team. 
fit the mantra is done is better than perfect Mm -hmm. because if you wait for 100% certainty you'll never make a decision or move forward because everything is changing so quickly Um, and then back to the first point through all of this you must focus on your people the speed of change can be disorientating and our job Mm -hmm. as a leader is to provide that compass for our people no matter how good your plan is or your strategy is if your team don't trust you nothing great can be achieved. Uh, There's a quote that I love that says, reason leads to conclusions, but emotion leads to action. Volatile Mm -hmm. phase, keep that focus on the team. Mm -hmm. And how do you actually, uh, to the last point where you say that you mentioned action, how do you implement actually this decision-making when it comes to execution? And that's a critical point because, again, theory doesn't drive any change. So, as we in this highly volatile world, for me, the key thing about decision-making is do it. Mm-hmm. The Nike slogan, just do it. <laughs> it's a very fast-moving world. We have to be brave. We have to be agile. We have to jump. And we have to remember that the only strategy the customer sees is execution. So we need to be relentlessly focused on making decisions and driving execution forward. Strategy won't get us there. And that involves a certain element of accepting there will be some risk because we will be taking decisions quickly. We will be working on an 80 for 20 basis and we will move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, But like that great old movie, Scent of a Woman, Al Pacino goes, there's no mistakes in the tango. If you get all tangled up, just tango on. (laughs) And I think that's very true. That forward momentum is what will drive you forward and drive your team forward and deliver the business results. Okay, interesting. And also, you're originally Irish, so you're an Irish citizen, but you've lived in Spain and you're currently based in Switzerland. Um, Do you see the fact that you've lived in different geographies as a competitive advantage? Absolutely. Um, Personally and professionally, I think moving and living in different cultures is a massive enabler of growth. Um, In our modern world, we think we see everything from behind our keyboard, but culture is culture. You need to live with people of different, um, of different everything and understand them fundamentally if you ever wish to be customer-focused. Um, I would say for a native English speaker, it's even more important because in many places, the business language is English. And if mm-hmm. you're a native speaker, you have an unfair advantage. So if you don't early in your career go abroad, and learn to work in another language. You will never understand the perspective of 80% of your global team. If you haven't had the experience of working outside your native tongue, you're lacking crucial perspective on communication and on how your global team works. And it's very, it was a very good growth exercise for me to have to sit on the other side of the table, feel when my language abilities were getting in the way of my ability to communicate my point, And I've become a much better communicator in those group forums, much better at understanding when it's a language barrier rather than a a knowledge barrier that's impacting on someone's contribution and helping them to get that out. So Mm -hmm. I think that's very, very good. Um, I would also, to anyone who asks, say the earlier the better. The younger you are, the more portable your life is plus the more uh, malleable you are. So I would absolutely, I would take that international opportunity the first chance you get 
And yes, it'll be scary, but jump. You'll learn things from it that you could never have expected. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point, I think, Maureen. And thanks a lot for being a guest today. It was my pleasure, Daniel. And thanks to our listeners and uh, look forward to next month's Career Success Podcast.